Hi, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Telich Talks. I'm John Telich, longtime sportscaster at WJW-TV in Cleveland, Ohio. I am also on Twitter at John Telich 8. That's John Telich, T-E-L-I-C-H, 8, the number 8. So it's John Telich 8. And Instagram at John Telich. Now, the reason why I gave my social media handles is going to be self-evident as we continue along in this podcast. An NFL coach, Cliff Kingsbury of Arizona, turned the sports world upside down recently when he said he would allow his players every 20 to 30 minutes or so during long team meetings to take a break to check out their phones. They'd be able to see what's going on in social media and to text or tweet or Instagram or Facebook or whatever. Find someone else out there in the world and connect with them. Of course, the outrage ensued. Belichick would never do this. If you can't pay attention for an hour in a meeting, you shouldn't be a professional. And while everybody can have an opinion, the Kingsbury Directive is a sign of our short attention span lives. We're inundated by information, phones replacing person-to-person contact. But young players today, they have only known this kind of a life, a life with that distraction-causing device, the telephone, the cell phone. And this must be, at least I think in Kingsbury's mind, some kind of a concession to that. Well, let's get some perspective. If you're listening on a mobile device, congratulations. You are many generations removed from the then-known form of mass communication. Being in a town square, listening to announcements read to you by the town crier. That's right. Prior to widespread literacy, town criers were the means of communication. Proclamations, local bylaws, market days, and advertisements, they were all proclaimed by a bellman or a crier. In Gossler, Germany, a town crier was employed to remind the local populace to not urinate or defecate in the river the day before water was being drawn to brew the beer. In the days before movable type was invented, the town crier escorted the destitute to the workhouse. Heck, the town crier even read out loud why a person was being hanged. Though, let's say this, folks, the town crier was not the person actually hanging the bad guy, but he did help cut the poor son of a gun down after the act. The very act of having a town crier persisted all the way to Los Angeles in 1904, and there are traditions that are even observed today, days where they lay waste to the tradition of what a town crier has meant. The town crier posting a notice many years ago kind of morphed into the days of the newspaper. Many called the newspaper the post. And as our world has quickened with inventions, printing press, to telegraph, to telephone, to radio, to television, to this amazing thing called the Internet, the speed of communication has gone from glacial to supersonic. In our world of sports, the news has traditionally been sent out to the world by the middleman, the media, the purveyor of truth, and the interpreter of the emotions and the ambitions of the athletes and coaches and fans that they follow. But this dynamic has shifted. In many ways, the athletes are creating the news and reacting to it. 
They're giving the results or their feelings directly to their followers or to their fans or, let's say in the case of Facebook, their friends. Yes, we're awash in a sea of town criers. It's called the Internet. Everybody with access to the Internet, if you're near Wi-Fi, you can be a town crier. And the crazy thing is, you're not shouting proclamations to people in a square. The town square comes right to you. The world is right at your fingertips. The town square is your cell phone. LeBron James has 48 million Instagram followers. Odell Beckham Jr. of the Cleveland Browns has almost 13 million. On Twitter, James with 42 million followers. And the biggest reporter, at least from ESPN's perspective, and a big newsbreaker, Adrian Wojnarowski, Woj, has 2.9 million followers. Let's go to football. J.J. Watt of the Texans with 5.4 million followers on his, uh, his feed. And Odell Beckham Jr., he has 3.8 million. Antonio Brown, 1.3. But the man that breaks most of the news for ESPN, the reporter, the middleman, the purveyor of truth, Adam Schefter has 7.3 million followers. The first year that the Cavaliers had LeBron James, Kevin Love, and Kyrie Irving together, James tweeted in February of 2015, Stop trying to find a way to fit out and just fit in. Be a part of something special. Just my thoughts. Was that directed at Kevin Love? Well, many speculated, but of course, we simply were left to guess at the time. Can you remember the Arthur Fist meme that LeBron James dropped last season? Do you remember Enos Cantor, the New York Nick at the time, going at James on social media? It was entertaining, and clearly Mr. Cantor was trolling James, but the beauty of social media is we could all have ringside seats, and I think in some ways that's also the downside as well. One of my colleagues, WJW anchorman Lou Maglio, is a huge fan and has been for many, many years. I chatted him up on this subject. We are here with the esteemed anchorman of Fox 8 News, Lou Maglio. Lou, if you were a young athlete in today's sports world, would you be happier getting your news out to people via social media or the conventional ways? Well, there'd be no question because I would be a kid who grew up with social media and that would be how I got all of my information. So if I were interested in getting information out about myself, that's the number one place. I do it through social media, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. I just remember, Johnny, a few years ago, I saw an interview with Ben Simmons, who is about 17 years old at the time, 18 years old. He was a freshman at LSU. And he he talked about that question. They asked him about it, and he said, yeah, I'm all about building my brand. Yes. And I thought, how crazy is this? An 18-year-old kid now talking about building his brand, and the way he wanted to build his brand was through social media. And do you think people nowadays uh, look askance at this, or do you think more and more people are going to be accepting that this is kind of the way things are going for the most part? I think we have to accept the fact that that is the way things are going. You know, things are moving from traditional forms of communication that we grew up with, television, radio, the newspapers, magazines, and they're moving much more towards social media anymore, more than ever. So I think that's the future. That's how these young people want to communicate, get their message out. So 
that's just how it's going to be. And how about when athletes use the social media to kind of send out messages? I mean, the most important, not necessarily the most important, but the most known, LeBron James kind of did that quite frequently, especially when he was a Cavalier. What is the term they use for that? They send out, what, sub-tweets and sub-messages <laughs> and all that? Or cryptic tweets. Cryptic tweets. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's how they do it. That's how they communicate. That's how they have fun. And, of course, the younger audience does relate to that. And we older guys just have to understand that's how it's going to be from now on. It's not going back. Very good. Thank you, sir. Daryl Ryder is a longtime NFL writer and radio commentator for Cleveland's 92.3 The Fan. He's around the Browns on a daily basis. He also co-hosts a podcast called The Cleveland Sports Beat with James Rapine. Give him a medal for covering the Cleveland Browns through all of these horrible years that they've had on the field. So I asked him to weigh in on the social media aspect of dealing with athletes. I never thought I'd see a day where I would ask athletes or coaches, for that matter, questions about tweets or posts on Instagram or snaps from Snapchat. But such is our life in the world of journalism here in 2019, whether it's LeBron's fit in or fit out tweets back in 2015 or cryptic emojis being posted on Twitter by Odell Beckham Jr. this offseason. The social media of activity of popular players certainly can dominate headlines and does dominate headlines, especially in the clickbait web world that you know we work within in our business. Um, there, there's also a danger uh, that comes with it for players if uh, they don't think before they post. Uh, I remember Isaiah Crowell a couple of years ago when he posted that offensive image on Instagram uh, following uh, the shooting death of uh, an African-American. It led to him generating tremendous outrage from fans and law enforcement. He ended up apologizing and making amends uh, for the post, but um, just uh, one of many examples that stand out to me of where uh, social media can be somewhat uh, dangerous. But it's not all bad either for players. You know, they certainly have begun using the platforms to, to break their own news or build their sponsorship brands uh, as well. It's certainly a direct communication uh, to fans or e even reporters. See Trevor Bauer, who uh, uh, of the Indians, he is not shy uh, about uh, going after reporters that he feels might have misquoted him or taken something that he said or did uh, out of uh, out of context. But uh, monitoring uh, accounts and, and writing stories based off uh, what takes place on those accounts or the responses to those accounts. Baker Mayfield going after Fox Sports earlier, uh, you know, uh, at one point last season uh, after the, the Bengals game and uh, his feelings with Hugh Jackson and whatnot. Uh, you know, posting about those type of activities certainly is commonplace uh, these days for me uh, as covering a game, a practice, uh, or a press conference. In the case of James, especially when he was a Cavalier, yes, we had those cryptic tweets, but James was available a whole bunch to deal directly with reporters and to put his spin on things. I recall the beginning of the season after the Cavaliers won the NBA title in 2016. That summer, James stood on a stage with Carmelo Anthony, Chris Paul, and Dwayne Wade at the ESPYs and urged the league, urged people to get involved in making your own communities great. They were using their platform, their abilities as modern-day town criers to make the world in their mind a better place. The tides turned. 
Athletes send out messages of their own crafted for their purposes. There are platforms like Uninterrupted, run by James and his business partner, longtime friend and associate Maverick Carter. The young athletes need to send out information. Of course, the need for sending the information gets us behind that curtain. And however, that can backfire as well. You can witness the former Steeler, Antonio Brown. He showed a locker room celebration, and in that celebration, there were profanities by the coach, Mike Tomlin. He got in trouble for it. Tomlin apologized for swearing, and he stressed that the video was a part of the sacred setting that is a team, and that Brown went a little bit too far. Tomlin said he was foolish, he was selfish, and that was very inconsiderate of Brown to post that video. And that was likely to be a tiny piece to the drama that culminated with Antonio Brown, no longer a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Adding to what Daryl Ryder said, the Cleveland Indians' own Trevor Bauer has produced short movies or documentaries telling his story, spinning the story of his turnabout, about how he needed to find balance in his life and how things on the field improved when he made greater ground in getting that balance in his life. Getting back to the so-called brand building, let me tell you the story of a former NFL receiver who has 93,000 Twitter followers, 104,000 Instagram followers. This man was not drafted. He had to go to the Canadian Football League and play there for two seasons before he finally got a shot to try to make it in the NFL. Andrew Hawkins, Hawk, went from getting a shot to make the Cincinnati Bengals to the point where he played there for three seasons. He caught 209 passes for 2,400 yards and nine touchdowns over six years in the league with the Bengals and our Cleveland Browns. And it wasn't just Hawkins' ability on the field that garnered respect from his peers. He was the model teammate. He was an overachiever, you would say. In fact, in 2014, Hawkins was one of a handful of athletes who spoke out against police brutality against African Americans. He joined the likes of James and Anthony in speaking out. He wore a shirt with the names of Tamir Rice and John Crawford on it. He was using his platform, in a way his brand, to bring attention to the deaths of those two young African Americans. He just signed a free agent deal with Cleveland. It was a wager. It was a gamble. But Hawkins was heard, and in many ways he did make a difference. But by building his brand while being the best pro he could be, Hawkins set himself up for his post-career life, where he co-hosts a podcast now with former Browns great Joe Thomas, the Tomahawk Pod, and he is an Emmy-nominated media personality at ESPN. So now post-career, Hawkins is part of the new wave of media who have brands and aim to make a difference. A name you're going to hear about in Columbus this year is defensive lineman Tyreek Smith of Cleveland Heights. In fact, he used his platform as a future college star to make a statement about the treatment of blacks. He wore a t-shirt to camps. In fact, did that down in Columbus a couple of years ago. On the front of the t-shirt, it said, I hope I don't get killed 
for being black today. He said then it wasn't exclusively about police and black youths. He acknowledged the majority of killings are black-on-black crimes, so it's crime on blacks. He just wanted to get that point across. And today, Smith is in his second year down in Columbus, and he figures to be one of the young defensive stars on their defensive line. I have covered sports for more than 40 years, and the relationship between athletes and media and the public has changed. We used to watch entire NBA and NFL practices and were trusted to not give away any advantages in strategy. To a smaller extent, that dynamic is still in play. But the athletes realize today they can have a better say in their own minds about what they want to portray. We interpret and we report. We are part town crier working in a business where the athletes we cover seem like they have faster deadlines than we do. Well, that's it for this edition of Tellage Talks. If you are able, please subscribe to us on any of the many podcasting platforms. Rate us as well if you can. I would appreciate that. In our short history, we've examined some various aspects of the sports landscape, and we look forward to more episodes. So if you have comments or suggestions... Our email is jtellich at sbcglobal.net, jtellich at sbcglobal.net. As we post this, the Indians are set to begin their home schedule, and the Cleveland Browns off-season conditioning begins. It never ends, and we love it. Thanks for listening in on this edition of Tellich Talks.